Today on The Selection Box. The only two times I don't have my phone in my hand probably are when I'm running or reading. You know, that's the reality of it. And I kind of have to, even when I'm reading, I have to put it in the other room so that I'm not, I, you can't double screen with a book, but you know, that kind of a thing where the attraction of it is there. That's not good. Like, that's just, there's no way that this little thing should have our attention the way that it does. You know, it's actually, it's probably the measure of a good book is whether I'm, I'm thinking about my phone or not when I'm, when I'm reading it. I travelled to Maynooth to meet Keen Byrne to talk about how he went from almost crunching numbers for a multinational to working in his family business at 31 years old. But more than just the Maynooth bookshop, today we're going to widen the lens a little bit to talk about the rise of the indie bookstore. With his head for numbers, trends, logistics and 40 years of family experience in the trade, Keen is better positioned than anyone, I think, to tell us whether the rise of the indie bookstore is specific specifically an Irish thing or something much bigger. Jigsaw.ie are our chosen charity partner. Please head over and check out the amazing work that they're doing to help young people through this pandemic. And let's face it, the raft of issues that are going to be thrown up at the other side of this. Jigsaw.ie, that's the place to go if you want to support our chosen charity partner. But Keen, thanks so much for joining me. You, you literally grew up in a bookstore, yet you had to go off and work for a big company before you realised the beauty of the small family-owned business. Is that what is happening with the rise of the indie bookstore in many ways, in a larger sense? Are we all coming to the same opinion that these small things are more precious than the big machine? Uh, hi, Jared. Yeah, thanks for having me, first off. Um I think you're right. I think that's what it is. I think a lot of people this last year has has kind of given people time to think about these things. And as everyone knows, everyone's been working at home and has been living in the towns that maybe they were commuting out of. Maynooth being probably a prime example of that with its distance from Dublin. Mm. So, yeah, I think I think people are starting to appreciate what's in their towns quite often before people only realised what they had when it left Hmm. with many bookshops that closed down during the, the recession. But I think what's happening now, I mean, you've spoken to a number of booksellers, I'm sure they've all told you whether on, on the calls or, or before or after it, is that we're all getting calls now from people who are inquiring about opening a bookshop and how would you do it and what do I need to know? Amazing. So And the, the, the Booksellers Association course that they run on how to open a bookshop has been oversubscribed in the UK. And I'm sure when we run it in, in Ireland, it'll be oversubscribed as well. So yeah, it's definitely a thing that, that I think between people deciding they want to they want to get rid of that commute and maybe work closer to home. And also the fact that they, they love bookshops and maybe, you know, want to be part of their community. I think that's, that's some of the drivers towards it. So Hewlett Packard Business Forecaster was the title. <laughs> <laughs> so you were getting up at lunchtime and giving like a bulletin and then a wink at the end with uh, what, what was, what was going to happen. But I think it's really funny that this realization that you came to haven't kind of had it all sorted like you kind of had that job the track laid out the way an irish mammy and daddy would like to feel you were safe like you were you kind of didn't have to fret the path is there but yet this realization that 
hold the phone. If I don't get behind my family business, it won't exist. That strikes you over this, I would say, well-publicized cup of coffee that you had with your dad. There's a couple yeah. of articles about it. You talked to Ryan Tuberty about it. But is it, is it funny to you that with the role of business forecaster that you didn't, your mind didn't jump ahead to that? Well, so my, my originally I was an engineer and that's what I studied in college. I went down to UL and then I, I did a master's in Minute. And in my head, that's what I was going to do. I had done a lot of those subjects for the Leaving Cert. Like, so, I mean, what else was I going to do? You know, mm. I, had, I had done my maths and engineering and tech graphics and all of those things. And even when I graduated in 2010 from Minute, there was no jobs. And I, I actually got a message the other day from one of my friends. I worked in the bookshop for a year at that point in the university in Minute. And in 2011, the summer of 2011, which is 10 years ago now, I, myself and a few friends went and did the Camino de Santiago. Okay. And it was at the end of that, I had kind of decided in my head, um, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, was a nurse, but I, I had kind of decided, look, there's nothing here for me. I'm going to have to go. And on the last day, we were sitting in Com uh, Santiago de Compostela, and I got a phone call asking me to come for an interview in HP. And so that was that was a sign as far as I was concerned. Hmm. So ended up getting the job in HP as an engineer. And, and even when I was working in the shop at the time, at that stage, I was kind of looking at it going, well, maybe I'll stay here and do this. But in my head, it was my dad's thing. You know, it was he had built it. He had it was his it was his baby. And it wasn't really mine. And I kind of I think I stupidly or maybe I think it's probably for the better, actually, that I went off and did my own thing first and came back to it. So yeah. I have no regrets over that side of it. And I think actually a lot of what I learned in HP when I came back into the shop, I was able to offer a lot more than I would ever have been able to offer, you know, sure. as a graduate, you know, at 22 or whatever age I was. Absolutely. I absolutely. And I mean, that doesn't just mean the website because the website's brilliant. I should say this to people that you know, if you, I, I say it about every, on every episode with some of these websites that these small bookstores around Ireland have are extraordinary, yourself included. Like when Dawn was talking to us about just this ability for somebody in, say, Hong Kong. I know we have a listener in Hong Kong, Gar Murphy. Shout out to Gar. He's also a patron of the podcast. Gar. And, you know, Gar needs to get books to his nieces and nephews. More and more, the business goes through the local independent bookstore like yourself. And they're able to package them up and give them that personal touch that you simply can't get within Amazon. That business model has to be or that trend that you are seeing in independent bookstores, when does that come about? And I wonder, like, it is kind of a harking back, is it not? The kind of ringing in the messages to the local draper and <laughs> dropping around, you know, milk and Wrap, nails. Wrapped in the brown, in the brown paper bag. And, <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> yeah, weirdly. Uh, yeah, it is. And, and actually, to be honest, I, like, I was thinking about this before I came on the call with you. Um, it kind of has gone a little bit, I was going to say meta, but that's not quite it. But anyway, bigger than that, in that we recently had a customer call us who wanted to send stuff to her son in Canada. It was a, a big birthday. And we, so she wanted to send books, obviously, and she gave lists of the kids' ages and whatever. So we picked out everything and ran it all past her. And there was a big box of stuff going. And then she said, 
is there any chance we can send a few more gifts with that and cards? So it ended up the whole family, and I mean like 20 <laughs> cards, all arrived to the bookshop. And we packaged it all up and sent it all off to Canada for her. So, you know, <laughs> it's, that's kind of a weird version of it, but it's 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 that service and that thing as well. But yeah, mm. with, with the amount of people, particularly during the pandemic and the lockdowns, the early lockdowns that were, you know, emailing from Australia and Canada and wherever, looking to get books to their parents or nieces and nephews or brothers and sisters. And it just became a thing. Yeah, definitely became a yeah, thing. Like, it's so funny that for me, the the most famous independent bookstore in the UK is Bernard Black's Black Books. <laughs> and, <laughs> and essentially what you were describing and the beauty that I'm finding in the independent bookstores that I speak to is the opposite of black books. It's that above and beyond the call in terms of the service to the individual coming in. Now, like that's got to be now the business model. When people go to that course, when the oversubscribed how to start your own bookstore course, do they talk about how this is your strength in the David and Goliath matchup between you Hodges and Figgis, Waterstones and Amazon. This, this fine detail this is, you is, is you. Yeah. Well, I've never done the course. I really should. I think I assumed that I knew everything just because I'd grown up around the bookshop. But if I could tell Keen from four years ago, it probably would have been go and do that bloody course and forget what you think you know. And you might, might have made a few less mistakes along the way. But um, yeah, I, that is... That, that's what it's all about, right? That's that personal service. There's a reason why there's an artisan chocolatier beside us in Minute because, and, and it's it's not because their chocolate is cheap and it's not because, you know, it's mass produced. It's because it's a unique experience. And that's what I see bookshops almost being as uh, as being now is, is kind of artisan in some way, shape or form because we, we there is a service that you, there's not many shops like it you know, there's not many industries like it that you can come in absolutely not knowing what you want and you'll go out with exactly what you didn't know you wanted. Yeah, 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 100%. I mean, we've all had that experience of wandering in, <laughs> literally yeah. nothing, nowhere to be and nothing to do and uh, leaving with the book that becomes that part of your life, that that window of time, whether it's a holiday or not, you mentioned the, the the mistakes and I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't <laughs> ask what those were, because I picked up from hearing you speak in, in those pieces that you are a worrier. You, you're someone whose mind is occupied by it, has sleepless nights over it, I guess, through the pressure of it, through the simple plate spinning endeavor of it. But what what would you count as the the errors or the things you wished you knew at the start? Oh God, where to start with it, Jared? To be honest with you, um, most of them are just I I I assumed I knew more than I I knew, and I assumed like my dad has been selling books for forty five years. Like how can I even question him on anything? But mm. yet I did, and I do regularly still. But, you know, I, 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 there's some things I know about and, and other people don't know about in the in our shops. And there's some things I need to shut up and listen about, you know, and that's probably that's the, been the biggest thing. 
and the, the night the worrying i mean even even that even that 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 thing of of worrying about things my, my dad my, my previous job was was looking at the minutiae you know looking at the small details was trying to figure out where is this going whereas my dad's attitude would always be it's going to happen don't worry about it you know it's it's um these things come in waves you know there's as as sure as I was going to say as sure as a shit in a goose, but as sure as a shit. You know, as morning follows night. That's the one. That's the one. Uh, I like the know. shit in the goose, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> that one comes from Canada. Um, <laughs> there's uh, The students are going to arrive on the 1st of September or two weeks after, and there's nothing we can do about it. And they're going to arrive. Well, it turns out they don't arrive every September. They didn't arrive last September. Mm. But, you know, that they're, they're going to arrive this is going to happen. There's some things we can can control. There's some things we can't. And we just have to control what we can control. And I worry about the the uncontrollable stuff a lot. So I'm trying to learn not to worry as much about those things. But uh, yeah, that'll be probably the biggest mistake. And communication is the other one. We have now, well, at our peak, I mean, last, last March was pretty much our peak. And we had 25 staff across our three shops. And that has become more of my job than I ever thought it would be is, you know, the managing of the three, the, the staffing and the three shops and, and trying to spin those plates. I mean, when I when I entered the business, it was two shops in minute. So, you know, any issues were five minutes up the road. Now, our third shop being in UCD, it just creates a, I mean, logistically, I have to, it takes me an hour to get here, you know. Of um, course. So that's just that's just another aspect of it. So I picked this book today because I really enjoyed it. I think it's a really good idea. And I also think it's a good present. You're listening to The Selection like, Box, exclusively available from Irishman Abroad Premium on Patreon.com. I love this book. It's called Boy on Fire by Michael Mark Morgie. And what I loved about it was it's dealing with the early years of his life from... There was one book that I was dipping into, The Power of Full Engagement. I'm mad for these business type books. Yeah, I love Kevin Barry's work. I first got into him when uh, his first book is short. I think he's a brilliant short story writer. His novels are great. So it never occurred to me that like anybody would be interested in reading books written by an Irish woman in an Irish accent. But yeah, I read the short story. I liked it. Something inside of me said, you could do something like that. You know, a book is a way of starting a conversation with somebody. Mm. And it's through the interaction with people that we can build on this sense of community. I think the independent bookshop has that air of just the crack and the fun with people and discussing with people what they're interested in. This is a, something that I haven't teed up off the top, but, you, you know, as you mentioned, your dad there and obviously you're very close to him. And, you know, he worked, he's worked in the trade for as long as he has. And the that connection to it begins with Maynooth and the university there. And then essentially the Maynooth bookshop that we're speaking to you from right now and the, is the focus of this episode was something, a decision that he made in 1988 was it to take up this this kind of off season to cope with that academic market lull so that there would be books bought year round do you ever talk to him about what changes he's seen 
since then, whether it's in what people are buying, how they're buying, how often they're buying. Or is that just another one of those things that you felt like you've you've seen yourself? Yeah, we. I mean, we we talk about it all the time. I think actually, I I, I might annoy my dad a, li- a little bit. Um, how much I talk about books in the bookshop to him. I don't think there's. <laughs> <laughs> I think at times he'd like those times that we weren't talking about the bookshop. But um, yeah, there there's like at the time when he when he had the when he when he took over the Maynooth University bookshop in 1985, I think it was. There were 700 students in the in the college, and it was a lot of priests. As you really? can imagine, yeah. So it was completely different, and they they'd arrive in on day one of some of the term, and they'd basically be marched along a a row of books, and they'd take one of this, and I needed my Bible, and I need my catechisms, and I need my, and they'd all, and they'd come up with their pile of books, and they'd buy those, and then they'd head back out. Um, you wouldn't see and, them till next year. I think it, no, they they'd be in and out of the shop, all right. But it was just that they'd all come in and buy every single book they needed at the start of the the year. Okay. I was going to say semester, but they weren't semesters then. But like like it's gas now when you go anywhere in the country. My dad probably knows the parish priest because he knew them all by name as they were coming through. They were there for seven years. Sure, they were in and sure, out of the sure. shop. They were. He was playing football against them and all that kind of crack. So. Um, you know, for, uh, whereas now you're talking Maynooth University, I think at the last count is somewhere about twelve to fourteen thousand students. Nuts. You know, so so that's the biggest change that has happened, <laughs> and and it's it's huge. I mean, even from 1997, when when St Patrick's College split and became St Patrick's College and NUI Maynooth, um, now Maynooth University, like that has ballooned as well. You know, so that's been a massive change in in our business and what, and what about what they're buying like what what about like i mean i just can't get over and i've talked about mikey a bit on this show but partially because it still blows my mind the the amount of books that he's going through like it's oh. it's nearly a, a global warming nightmare that's <laughs> what this boy is doing to the trees uh, that's that's most that's new right i'm not imagining that kids didn't read that many books when we were small well i i don't know because i did so that's that's kind of but i was i was I was hooked to the main line, so you know, I yeah. was. I was <laughs> yeah, you worked was in the little, Wonka factory. <laughs> I was yeah, exactly. I was a little bit different. Uh, just to move slightly, I was. So it was Father's Day two weeks ago, and I gave my dad a video from the. I, I converted a VHS from the opening day of the bookshop in 1988. No way. Found it. My my aunt found it. I a couple of years ago, and I've been holding on to it, trying to find someone who can convert it. Got it converted and gave it to him. Oh, wow. And in it, there's a video of me. At, Two years of age with a balloon, you know, walking around the shop. But there's an image. There's one part of the video where there's myself, my dad, who runs the Maynooth University Bookshop, my aunt Ursula, who runs the Maynooth Bookshop, and then one of our other staff, Bernie, who's our accountant. She she has been there since then. And there's the four of us in the picture, and I'm the two year old. And I kind of dawned on me. I was like, oh shit, I'm in a bit of trouble here. Actually, when I look at this, like, you know, that's pretty much the four people who I rely, are reliant upon. You know, this business is reliant upon are in that uh, yeah. video, and I'm and I'm the two year old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing, yeah, I, I definitely think kids' books. I think it was probably Harry Potter that that mm. did it. That, mm. Well, it certainly it created these series that I don't think really existed before, where the wimpy kids of this world and you know um, Rick Reardon and these people. Captain that Underpants. 
Yes, I will put a give me a fart book any day because they will sell <laughs> hand over fist. I, I was looking at one this morning. I was I was buying in books for September, and I think it was called Wee Wee Poo Poo Bum Bum. And I was like, I'll have five of that, please. It's a winner. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I I think that's maybe where what's happened is you know you've got these series of books um, that have driven it, but then also I think parents more than ever want to put books in their kids hands mm. you know because there's everything else is vying for their attention that if you had a love of books when you were younger and it might not have been to the extremes that, that people do now that they read so many um and but or the kid that the kids read so many because we just didn't have as many but if you had that look you really want your kids to have that love as well i think I, I certainly do. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, so that's, that's what's driving that as well. And then, and then they absolutely eat up some of these series as well, you know. And let's be clear, there is, there is a pushback now and I'm even feeling it in terms of my own content output is the need to move away from screens. Mikey at the moment is obsessed with playing Monopoly one-on-one -on -one against me and I'm only too happy to play it because it's not on a screen it's not how many times how many times has the board been flipped no it ha we haven't gotten there yet uh, i've thought about doing it but uh he's certainly never done it <laughs> uh, but th that you know that has to be a factor that sense that i think you described a book as like a facial for your brain and it like i i feel silly even saying it to the listeners here but it is essentially like the long runs that I describe with Sonia, that there is nothing quite like it in terms of turning off your phone and the TV and getting that centeredness that you can only find in the pages. Am I identifying a trend there that's not there or a trend that's just always been there that people are now realizing just like the small bookstore that they need and they need to protect? Yeah, I think I think it's massively that I, I, you know, the only two times I don't have my phone in my hand probably are when I'm running or reading. You know, that's the that's the reality of it. And I kind of have to even when I'm reading, I have to put it in the other room so that I'm not. I, you can't double screen with a book, but you know, you're you're that that kind of a thing where the attraction of it is there, and that's that's not good. Like that's just there's no way that this little thing should have our attention the way that it does. Mm. Um, and then you know it's actually it's probably the measure of a good book is whether I'm I'm thinking about my phone or not when I'm when I'm reading it because there's plenty there's plenty that have just completely take your attention and you're you're away. But also I found certainly I mean I I, I really struggled to read during the first part of the pandemic the first lockdown. I think it was the pressure of everything else. Yeah. But when I did, I started an online book club to to kick it off or to, to try and kick that kick my reading back off and it was absolutely brilliant thing to do you know it was, it's been it was my it was my savior for in terms of my reading at the time and then i got i, I said we started to read books that were real escape books you know i traveled to alaska in one and we you know we we traveled all over the world basically through our books and fantastic it, I, it was just you know it was it was and i i think that's something that you there's not many other pursuits 
that can really switch your mind off the outside world and, and pull you into something else. Well, you're listening to the Selection Box, a mini-series from the Irishman Abroad Podcast Network, uh, specifically about indie bookstores, in case you hadn't gathered it. And we've been all around the country and we'll continue to do so. Uh, it's a 10-part series, this. So if you want to suggest a bookshop that you'd like me to focus on to meet somebody or interview somebody about, we're going to end up in Letter Frack for episode 10 for uh, the second Books at One store over there. We'll be talking to them. And this Sunday on the main show, we have the Irish YouTube sensation, the hilarious lads behind Foil Arms and Hog on to talk about the 10 years of work nobody saw before they were considered an overnight success. We also have a very special Corona pod this Friday that you will want to hear. Members get access to it all, including the full back catalogue of episodes from the last eight years. It's just a matter of a couple of clicks and for the price of a coffee, you are in and able to enjoy all the benefits, content and podcasts you'll need for those long summer walks and runs. Keen, you are injured at the moment. I saw the ice pack. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell happened there? I don't know. I I I I was li- I was actually it was listening to your podcast with Sonia and um it was you were talking about the realization that that point when you realized this is a little bit bigger than uh, mm. you know it's not that's, fun. That, this is not going away. Yeah. Um, but actually what happened was I was on holidays and uh forgot my runners so I I ran in my 30 something year old person's new balances that everyone seems to wear yeah. and uh so I went and bought a new pair of running shoes and pretty much straight away my foot started to hurt. So I've been playing with the shoes. I actually think it is the shoes. Oh, I, yeah. I, I put back my on my old ones the other day and went for a run, probably against all advice, and it was a good bit better. It's still there, but hopefully I'll... Well, like I bring it up because <laughs> as well, with, with, with the interest in running, you must know better than anybody that the amount of running books that are available and the amount of material that's out there in so many ways the reason why we started the Sonia podcast was to help people sift through the nonsense that's out there and just get it from a legendary source that this is all you need to know she's just brilliant at simplifying it down what is the running book that you would recommend for people listening whether they're into running or not that's the book i'm, I'm after here oh, i know what my recommendation God. is i'm interested in yours uh geez you're putting me under pressure here i actually think and this is just in general about sports books that the best sports books are always underdog or rogues or mm. i don't know people who have something more about them so the best running book is not probably a running book and i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head now and it's about the indigenous guys that just run oh, born, born to run that was the, that's, the one. that's the book the, that uh, we we had as part of our book club on the irishman running abroad yeah. and just discovered a new book we'll be revealing on tuesday's show with sonia for our next book in the book club and you're right it is about characters rather than the actual activity so that's that's all still to come from the sonia show but the minuthbookshop.com is where you want to go to access everything that we've been talking about here with keen we didn't even get a chance to talk about the tale of three indies but i'm sure uh, we'll get an opportunity to bring that up later in the series Uh, it's been such a fun chat keen thanks so much for taking the time to do it and uh, good luck with everything and all the the challenges that lie ahead thank you very much and thanks for doing the series i have to say like 
I'm passionate about independent bookshops, never mind just my own. I love traveling around the country and I mean, I'm going down to Galway this weekend and I'm, my wife has some plans for a, a bit of relaxation, but my relaxation is going to be going into Kenny's and into Charlie Burns bookshop. So, um, Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. It's busman's holidays, all that crack. So yeah. thanks for doing the series, Charlie. Brilliant. Well, hopefully you're fit and healthy and we'll get to meet up for a run at some point, Keen. But thank you so much again. Brian Connolly is on sound. Tina and Mikey make it all possible. John Marr does the extra research. And as I said, Foil Arms and Hog are going to be here this Sunday for the main show. Don't miss that one. Be sure to pop over to jigsaw.ie, our chosen charity partner, or better still, join up on Patreon this week at patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Abroad.